Hello, this is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. So just making sure that everything is running. Looks like it's running. Uh, it's snowing. It's, and it's uh, out for an afternoon walk. And let's see. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, just uh, interesting, interesting stuff. I guess it got cold enough to uh, snow. I have a topic. And the topic is the first story. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not going there. Although we might end up there. Um... And we're going for the, <clears throat> just say, thinking back to uh, first communication and the beginnings of language and that we would, we would have communication going quite far back. And what do I mean by that? <clears throat> there is... Um, even even in just you know hanging around with pets to you know one degree or another that there is there is a communication there is um, there is language going on even if it's just very sort of base basic uh, language for some for some reason I'm thinking of those hunting dogs that point right that they've been bred to to do this pointing thing and one of my neighbors has a um, a sheepdog that will actually shepherd her as she goes on her walk it will run ahead of her and hide and watch as she comes uh, or, you know along the sidewalk just walking along but uh but you know, I, to, you know, to have a story, uh, let's you know, Ursula K. Le Guin, you know, we have to have change. So there has to be this communication of of change. So just leaving the safety of the sidewalk for the for a snow-covered street. Stepping aside to let a car go by. Oh, hey! Some kids are making um, maybe a snowman. Uh, could be a snow fort. We'll see. All right. So, uh, first first story. Even, even thinking, say, of kids that, you know, at a very young age that were more concerned with, say, the rudiments of speech and the rudiments of, of communication, you know, clarifying, you know, this sound that I'm making, it's attached to that thing over there or the, 
the emotion that you're having. And it's an interesting process, right? Because we we kind of ape. Um, you know, the, the child is not... Um, is, is, it's not communicating. It's not... Yeah. It's sort of like, say, a one-sided kind of story. And... It's, of course, it's absorbing and um, preparing to, you know, to have a conversation. But at the beginning, it's, it's more, say, one person. I don't want to say it's like a dummy, but I think it's kind of that experience of... Uh, I, I was using some sock puppets a, a while back. And it have moments where I, I, I had invested uh, a character into this I found myself going it's like oh my gosh I'm having this conversation with myself and it was fun and everything but I, I got thinking uh, got into thinking about uh, that, that it is possible to do this kind of thing writing writing story to differentiate from you know different types of, uh, of writing, that when you're, when you're working on story, and you're going deep into story, you know, you're, you're not concerned with journalism, there's elements that are shared, of course, but there's this, there's this part where we sort of, we separate path, you know, we go on a different path. I've just been noticing some memoirists on Twitter and Twitter. I think that's part of my Vancouver dialect. As I start dropping the T's, I say Twitter instead of Twitter. I'll talk with my uh, cousin back east. And I'm sure she has the same thing going on because I'll I'll hear her Ontario accent, her her Eastern accent, and be just oh well, you know this is interesting. You know we're cousins, but we speak differently, slightly. We have you know a slightly different vocabulary and dialect. Okay, so. The first story. I, I, I don't think, I don't think that it's a story. Say, um, the 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 nice thing about this conversation is, I don't have to. I don't have to go by, say, Beowulf. Beowulf is the, is the first story. Because everything else has been lost. You know, we have bits and pieces, but we don't have. A, a full story, and it was very uh, touch and go with with Beowulf, because uh, it, I believe the the, the manuscript was, um, it was something like it was it was put aside. It wasn't even, I think it was called cotton, because of say the person who who had the manuscript, and. Like say right now, I have I, I have a number of manuscripts, 
and I, I look at them and I consider, you know, throwing them all in the trash and I, I sort of contemplate the relevancy of them and uh, so I've, I've, some of them I've dragged around the world and you know, ob- obviously there's something important going on but here, but here we have it, Beowulf. We, I, I believe we only have one manuscript. And that says a lot. You know, that it, you know, how many copies were there ever of Beowulf? Was it a bestseller at the time? Or was it, was it just say, you know, say like myself, it was just, you know, this manuscript that was dreamt up. Obviously, there's more to it than that. Uh, does it have any relevancy to uh, a wide majority of people? What I mean by that is, is it, is it just, say, upper class, you know, somebody sitting around, they have enough time on their hands, and so they, they crank out, you know, this story. Um, this is just me thinking around the topic of... the first story. And I don't think it would be... It It requires a definition of story. What is a story? We're talking about conveying information that isn't real. Um, like, say, when we're talking about story, I think fiction. Uh, the memoirists are, you know, say, thinking of their, their own uh, experience. You know, events in their life, they're getting down on paper. Uh, hopefully, they have enough, um, say, you know, the, the, the way that they're using the language that it's going to be attractive to a reader, that somebody will pick it up and go, oh, yeah, you know, I, I can swim in this pond. <laughs> uh, I, I, th- I think I said before too that there's there's many things we share, uh, even though uh, it, it might not seem obvious. There is there is a structure to the storytelling. A three act structure can work well. How do you do that? You just move um, you move uh, elements around the timeline, like say considering what is the crisis story. What is what is the what is the climax story? It could be, say, that you know the the choice, uh, the scene that you finally choose to end your memoir. It it could be a, a childhood scene. It could be this thing that suddenly sort of is is champion to the to the heart or the core of the story. Right? That we get the synthesis not at the elderly end of the uh, life, but instead uh, in the childhood. And of course, it, it, it's, it's uh, about waiting and seeing, getting reaction from people and, you know, oh, no, no, you know, that scene, or maybe it's an unwritten scene, you know, and somebody says, you got to put that in. 
So the, the first story we're talking about kind of a campfire situation or say we're talking about people most likely it's going to be in somehow an older person, an elder it could be even kids sort of making stuff up you know, that we have this Stone Age uh, conversation about this place and oh, there's this city called Vancouver and they've they've built they've built places to live that have fire whenever you want it it's a magical place it has fire it has this uh place to cook in these in these huts these sort of tents very nice tents and uh they have magic vehicles right that will go from go from house to house and So it it could start off that way. It could have a, a relating some event, you know, say uh, maybe a child witnesses an event and then later as a grandfather relays the event and then elaborates it. I was mentioning the, the notion of the see, two tribes, the tribe of Apollo and then the tribe of Python, and that maybe... Maybe a child witnesses that a child of the Python tribe, you know, who worshipped this goddess, you know, maybe somewhere around Delphi in Greece, and they, you know, they they witness it, and so they they tell uh, their children. Maybe one one of when one of the Pythonesses, the oracle at Delphi. You know, she she learns of the uh, grows up hearing this you know the story of of her people and how they were uh, how there was this conflict between these two tribes. It would require it would require communication. I'm just wondering, though, too, about that. Like, say, it is possible to have a communication without language. And to to what degree can, say, um, a sign language uh, fill that void? It's all the way. You know, so you could, you don't necessarily have to have uh, a spoken language. It could, it could be this sign language that's that's doing these this thing many of the the myths share common commonality uh, common concerns there's a lot of 
enculturation going on. So saying, you know, the, these are the values of our of our people. You know, these are these are stories that were told to me that I'm now telling to you. And just just thinking of uh, uh, witnessing my own family's. Uh, say watching my parents uh, with my siblings and just this steady succession of sharing stories and and to be I, the, I, I would be involved in that and it went from the very basics you know where we're sort of spending time uh, just casually you know sort of sharing the language and that's a big part of it is this sharing going on uh, in in considering what is it uh, the media or no the medium is the message and that we're we're sharing we are sharing the medium we are sharing the message and we're like right from the beginning, we're sharing just say the the basics of uh, communication, imprinting the language, and then slowly building up to things like nursery rhymes, and that there's a that there's there's music woven into that, the poetry that has been with us so long. And it's easy to say things like, oh, it doesn't exist anymore. But, you know, every every song that I turn on, um, you know, ho- hopefully it's not a ballad. I get sucked into them, though. I get sucked into ballads. And then, too, I have nostalgia for songs that I never read the lyrics of. And then when I read the lyrics, I'm, you know, sorely disappointed. It's like, really? That's it? But that's what we're all about. So whipped on by, you know, the biological frenzy. So this story. It would. It would have to do with it would have to do with the the place where one one lives it would have to do with the um, surviving and be careful of this be careful of that I'm just thinking back now to the to the nursery rhymes. I'm so what was that all about? You know. Uh, it's interesting too to look up some of these nursery rhymes and to see where they came from and scholars who are, you know, arguing what the purpose or origin was. You know, was it coming out of a plague? Right? Is that is it in reference to 
Is it in reference to plague? This is a couple of my neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> it's not spring yet. Um, so the first story. I'm, I'm not going to go there. But... Uh, in in a way, in a way, I will go there. That there's this mythologizing about origins, and that's another sort of commonality. Uh, the cosmology, where everything came from, uh, what it means. You know those those lights in the sky. You know, once the sun goes down, and you know, even talking about well, what what is the sun? It's warm. It's uh, it's moving. Is it a uh, is it a kind of hot stone that is has been thrown? It's heated up every day and thrown across the sky by giants. Uh, so so making rational the the irrational. Explaining, really, explaining everything, and and it would be a very slow process. You know, the first story is not doesn't happen overnight. It would be like layers, and you know, life after life after life. You know, this message is being shared on and on and and it's quite interesting to look at at those origin stories you know where where people at one time or another thought that they came from There's also a sort of shaping quality that goes on to as well that as as it's agreed upon as the story is agreed upon that it it begins to you know shape there's a commonality of shared knowledge shared experience you know, in say in referring to the sun as the as the hot rock, right? It's heated up. The, uh, you know, the campfire of the gods, you know, or the ancestors, and they heat up this rock and toss it. That say that you know we would discuss the mechanics of that, and that it would have to be very, like, say, how big is it? <laughs> You know, birds when they fly, they seem to get smaller. But the sun is so big, so it must be a very, very big rock. So, you know, wouldn't you agree, uh, <laughs> neighbor, <laughs> that, you know, the this, this sun, you know, it's got to be a really big stone. Therefore, the gods themselves, the deities, they must be huge. Giants. But it's it's beyond the horizon, right? And... So much farther than we can ever go. 
there's something there's something wonderful about that activity, that discussion. It's almost it's almost like say scholars or uh, scientists discuss you know discussing, um, putting forth theories. Well, maybe it's this or maybe it's that. It's like adding on, and once again, it's you know to the victor goes to the spoils. So. It's 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 the tribe of Apollo, right? That is telling the story, you know, that has sort of dominated, and yet not. You know, we still have these remnants of of Python, you know, the tribe of Python. I can remember taking my stab at doing um, a kind of sim- Silmarillion and I've tried you know, I've done a number of things like that and one of them it came up with these using the names but imagining imagining them as these two characters and two people one one sort of beginning story is in Gilgamesh. I think that's Babylonian. But it... So Gilgamesh is this king, and the, uh, you know, the, the, the uber people, the... Not, not the, not the taxi company, but the... Deities, Babylonian deities, want to teach him a lesson, so they give him a friend, and uh, things happen. Eventually, Gilgamesh uh, goes on a quest, and he ends up hearing, he ends up meeting a couple people who, I believe they're immortal, like say that they've been around a long time, and they tell him how he can do this as well. And it, it's almost like, say, if you imagine, you know, your parents, uh, they never become, you know, real people. Instead, they just remained as these kind of archetypes. And, you know, you grow up, and, and there's this distance, right? And uh, so that they're more kind of like ancestors. And that's the effect of this story, is that we're meeting this, you know, proto, these two people, you know, these sort of, the, the first people. That's the effect I walked away with. And I think even, even way back then, it wouldn't be that hard to sort of see that reduction happening, to sort of go... Oh, you know, I come from two people, and all my cousins do, and my neighbors do, and it it, it just goes back, it goes back and back and back and back. So it it, it kind of in in one in one way it sort of makes sense. It's like yeah, it would all go back to two people, right? And then of course 
you know, that's, that's not the case. But I think it's a, um, that's, that's the fantastic, that's the, that's the imagination. I was, I was thinking that, about that as well for, um, deities. We see a lot of, or at least I'm thinking of deities that, uh, that there's a lot of, um, marriages, there's a lot of, uh, pairing up such as uh, Venus and Mars, or Aphrodite and Ares, and on one hand it makes sense, because they both embody human traits, specific sort of uh, parts of the emotional spectrum uh, of behavior. You know, Mars is about war, Venus is about peace, you could say. Freya is the Norse equivalent. I was just noticing, just in passing, that uh, she's also linked to war, so it's not, it's not a perfect translation. But yeah, yeah. So... Uh, and to looking at it and going, well, she's the goddess of love, then he's the goddess of, or he's the god of hate. You know, can you can you do that? Can you go there? And so, say, is it that uh, opposites attract, and that there's a kind of balancing out, a very sort of simplistic message at work. You know that these extremes are. Um, attracted to one another. Opposites attract. But say, if, 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 we, if we could talk about a, a first story, uh, why not an adventure story? Gilgamesh has, has elements that are very sort of adventurous. Very macho, too. When... Uh, when Gilgamesh meets Enkidu, his uh, friend, I think I think Enkidu is described as kind of wild, uh, wild sort of nature man. And uh, Gilgamesh is, you know, more civilized city guy. I think I think he's a king at that point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So again, it's like a, these opposites attracting. And there's so many. Oh, these are more uh, building, building the snow. Children, don't waste your time. It's going to melt. In, invest in, you know, <laughs> titanium or something. Take up welding. I'm trying to think of something that will last, you know, that it will outlast rust. Um, Build pyramids, you know, something. Snow pyramids? I'm sure someone has done a snow pyramid somewhere. Oh, and yet again, more more snow pyramid building. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, so, first story. And it would be... 
I like I like the idea of that it includes a bit of everything, and that in the telling there's this overlap, and so it's explaining cosmology. So we have you know this you know how everything was made. We have an adventure story that defines the cultures, the values. It's almost like the whole legal code, just the basics, say. And we have our we have roles within within the culture uh, that are encoded into this into this story. So it's not just about telling the story; it's about telling this is this is who you are, and these these are the values, right? That are meaningful. It's so interesting with... I'm just thinking of, say, there's the simplicity of, of, of Star Wars, the first movie. Not the first episode. Back in the 70s. And the discussion that's going on inside of it. The passion and uh, concern and there's a there's a sort of endless endless concern there going back quite far there, there might be even say status um, if you ever have the chance to take a look at Beowulf we get a a lot of references to some some real people actually in Beowulf but we have we have uh, there's rituals I'm thinking though that there's uh, status status class uh, we're meeting um, at least one chief if not more Beowulf himself becomes a chief a king via the translation but uh, even that would be in the story. So it, it's lo- loaded with, you know, where your place is. Unless, of course, you know, you rise through the ranks or descend as fortune uh, deigns. Uh, it would have, it would talk about um, death. It would talk about how... You know, a good death versus a bad death. A bad death being, say, a murder. Uh, I remember reading myth. It was Medea uh, killing her children, and like so that she's she's so distraught. And I'm trying to think of all the characters, but I'm just thinking of this moment where this this woman has helped, I think it's Jason, Jason and the Argonauts, but she has helped Jason steal, I think it's uh, the Golden Fleece. They've had kids together. I could be totally wrong. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just remembering these, these definitions of, you know, what, what is, you know, what defines a person. And two, I, I felt this shock. I was like, 
whoa, you know, she's, she's, uh, it's such a mess that she feels she has betrayed her people. And I think she's betrayed them. She's, she's abandoned them. And it eats up at her to the point it's, it's this tragedy, tragic telling of, of that particular part of the story. Yeah, so the, the rules of the game are encoded. There, there would be a lot of easy stuff, and then there would be difficult. Uh, I'm thinking of, say, how movies, like family movies, they will have stuff that's definitely for the kids. They will have some levity, some ha-has. Maybe they'll have a character that is... Somebody's got a little uh, snow... Uh, what is it called? <laughs> Scooper? No. It's like a lawnmower, but it's for getting rid of the snow. You go for it, buddy. Last hundred years. Yeah! And that's not, not to, that's not to knock him, it's just... I'm just sort of figuring out how to enjoy and sort of the balance of sort of saying, you know, I'm against this, just, you know, if, if this is the direction we're going to go in, I'm, I think this is a bad idea. And then at the same time, uh, finding, not finding my bliss, following my bliss, you know, this, the, the inner feeling, the thing that lights me up and where I'm alive. That's uh, sort of coining, paraphrasing Joseph Campbell. So this, so this story, yeah, so this story seems to just wrap everything up. There's this oral tradition, the epic oral tradition, um, apparently still survives. And it's somewhere in Europe. And I've mentioned this before, but they, the, in this surviving tradition, they actually did a, um, an epic uh, version of the assassination of Kennedy. And it, it's theorized um, from, say, say, considering... I guess it would be sociology, it's considering or anthropology. Is it the same oral tradition that we have uh, that Homer's epic comes epic? Yeah, epics come from this. The thing to note is that they are able to tell the. Um, it's not the same, like every telling is slightly different. So if you can imagine, it would be, say, you'd be relating the Odyssey, and there would be elements that would be, like say, ev everybody would be familiar with the elements, but say you could, you could retell 
the story. It's just that there would be this familiarity to to the structure. I guess it would be kind of like um, the three act, or say trope characters, where you go, oh, this is the funny character, right? Or oh, this is the romantic interest. And then and then structurally, things that are familiar, like let's see, I'm just thinking of trying to think of a Homeric moment that could be used, like, say, in a different way. I'm just thinking, too, of a playful use, like, instead of Troy, it becomes about, like, a chicken house. And, uh, the Greeks become, you know, a fox or something like that. I think that's actually called a mock epic, that they actually do exist. So, so less, less dramatic and more, more comedic. So I'm just wandering back to the homestead. The first story. I mentioned many episodes ago, I mentioned that there are a certain number of, of stories. And I think, I think one of them was Cinderella, which, which is just say that somebody starts off as oppressed and they manage to, by the end of the story, that they've turned things around. So what am I thinking? It would be important that the story is passed on, or at least, say, the values that exist in the story would be passed on. And and two, it's it's all it's all about defining what a good person is. Right? This is what a good person does. Or two, it could be. A, a tragic story, and sort of showing this is what a bad person is and does. And so it's getting back to the notion of a reflection, that story um, becomes a mirror. And, and when I was younger, I never, I never looked at story that way. Uh, it was always either I like it, or I don't like it. Um, and there's things that I used to like, but I don't like so much. Or I have the nostalgia. I remember it's like, oh yeah, that was great as a kid. Whereas now, there's this grumpy grown-up who, who poo-poos that, all that stuff. So I think what I'm getting at is that I think I've talked about the one story but say that it's this it's the retelling it's it's important it's really important to retell this story and to I I I think it's not too far off these these writers that I've encountered including I have to say myself who who say it's me 
right? This thing I've worked on and, you know, shined up, this uh, polished turd, I'm talking, you know, in my case, <laughs> I, I would never say that to another writer, unless I really wanted to offend them. Which I hope I hope I'm I'm past, you know. But who knows? You know, I might be on a panel somewhere, and somebody says, <laughs> "Hey, Moss, would you take a look at my polished turd?" <laughs> Why, sure. It's so humble of you to phrase it that way. That was just the, uh, oops. The French. There's an interesting, there's an interesting sort of juxtaposition that we have. My French is not good, but language that say that there's this language, um, I want to say bridge. Whoops. in the bathtub. Alright, let's sit down and chat. In these last couple of minutes. Uh, in a way, the, the first story is the last story. And... that everything that you know was important and was contained in the in the first story it's going to be in the last story too it's uh you know we'll we'll get to the we'll get to the finish line and we'll pretty much be doing the same thing i don't know i think it was einstein who said that you know it's like world war 3 it was going to be sticks and stones um spears things like that Or, or was was he doing? Was it say World War Four would be fought that way? Like, if we have a if we have a nuclear war, right? That it would sort of end that way. And in that sense, it would be a return to uh, our origins, right? You sort of st the S Stone Age, um, yeah. And you know that's this that story stretching out into the stars, and. Uh, conveying information. I do. I do have this feeling that that we are. That we we would sort of move beyond. Uh, what do I mean by that? Almost like say that we would. Create. I'm sort of going for say like you know robots, intelligent machines, who would who would actually do the colonizing and exploring and that they would sort of go out and um, that they not might not have need of of the story in the same sense 
I like to think that in in the storytelling that happens between parent and child, culture and child, community and child, that there that there's a lot more going on than we realize that um, it's that it's not just about acquiring language that that we get it's almost like say this the the structure I'm, I'm i'm sure that i'm sort of actually sort of speaking the truth and saying you know that in the story we actually get our mind right that our our mind is the story and that this sort of process of storytelling and um sharing stories i can rem- remember i can remember making up stories for my brother and sister and and it was an odd situation because they they enjoyed it seemed like they were sort of like you know hey tell us a story and and so i i would just make up stuff and it would be you know silly nonsense but but within the nonsense there was a lot of um there was a lot of things going on probably subconscious right sort of sharing important family stuff that had been passed on to me, you know, and uh, that say that that's being conveyed not even, not just in body language, but that it's sort of like the, the intellectualizing, right, the, you know, the shaping of the mind and passing on this information from, you know, the millions of years that we've been doing this. How do I mean by that? Um, uh, some of my neighbors are, uh, like they just got here, right? They, you know, they're immigrants. Uh, some of my neighbors, you know, they've, you know, they've been in Canada for generations and yeah. Um, but say the, the, the new, you know, the new people, um, they there's a body language thing going on. I I experienced this when I was in uh, Korea, um, and that say even say if we are uh, using the language, um, say say currently with my immigrants neighbors who just you know who've just arrived. Not really. I mean they've been here for years, but you know there's there's still say the the heavy accent and there's still what I'm getting at is the is the body language, and that that there's something going on where I, I feel like I'm not communicating quite clearly, even though we're using the language, you know, uh, fine, and, and you know I'm picking up everything. Another example is uh, meeting with doctors, who it, it's say similar, right? You know, they've they've been in Canada for a long time, and they're a doctor, and the, you know the the language is there, but there's something else going on. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. Um, and w- w- what I'm sort of getting at is I, I'm I'm looking at it as a mix that the that the first story it's 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 like this computer cr- program, and I really want to say it is a computer program. And it's got structure. It's um, 
it's it's is it it is an it's an artificial intelligence it's like the software that's going to the hardware that we as people are the hardware and that the story is the software and <laughs> every generation has updates um it it, it was interesting too i, I remember grandparent wise that uh, i can remember sitting there with my grandparents and we were watching something i don't even know why they were watching it but they didn't like the music. The music I remember the music was uh it was it was acid rock. It was the music of my parents and it was not the music of of my grandparents. That there was this difference and I and too I just sort of I took it in, but I remember observing it and going, Oh well that's interesting. You know, my parents like this music right and whereas my grandparents don't like this music and i really suspect that it's always been like that that you know every generation it's like okay well we're going to do it different but it's the same thing right it's music it it's music it's popular music people didn't like elvis and then they didn't like the beatles and then they didn't like you know so on and so on and so on um you know people don't like I'm going to say it, Justin Bieber. They don't, you know, you know and, and that's not true. Some people love Justin Bieber. But I, I'm going for, say, generation. And, you know, that the next generation is already looking back and say, music that I listen to, they'll be like, you know, oh, that's very nice, Grandpa. Right? <laughs> Grandpa Moss. Um, and... I didn't have I I didn't have that experience. I don't have uh, kids, and um, I I I, so, I sort of wonder about it, and I I know the importance of it. Uh, I value that other people are doing that, and um, but uh, it, it's it's sort of given me this sort of objective perspective right that I'm sort of outside of it watching these things happen um, watching say other people in in my family in my uh, my community and sort of watching this um, transference I'm just thinking right now too of of say things like um, the say you know um, in China uh, during the revolution, right? That there's this huge upheaval of of what is exchanged and say what what you give. That that say the state prescribes it, and um, suddenly see uh, it's it's shaped, right? There's this definite shaping going on, and you do you don't get away from it here in the new world. It's it, there's still this shaping that's going on, and and two, it it's not. It's it's not say that there's one way of doing it. It's just this multifaceted. There are things that you you know it's probably a good idea to do, like say, um, you know, like say you know if you're going to fit into the community or communicate or etc., you know you don't want to entrench yourself in an enclave. Um, and two, there are English-speaking enclaves. There, there are people, 
who are you know who have a who have a grasp of English, but they have their ideology is just so counter, right? That they will not um, that they enclave, you know. That they create these communities that um, it, it's it's sort of like you know they cut off themselves from the rest of the world. And two, I can understand that. I can understand that the sort of like you know. Uh, uh, protecting, right? So we know the right way. We're going to just focus on that. Leave us alone. We're in the last. We're definitely wrapping things up. So, so the first story. I I really like the notion of that. It's it's software, and also too thinking about say like say if. If you do the you know the kids thing when you're in your twenties, then um, then it's it's more say subconscious driven. I I'm just sort of reaching there, but I, I I'm sort of right that it's less thought out and less planned and more kind of like the knee jerk reaction, and that you're you're. That there's less time to say reflect that say the older parents where they're actually thinking about okay well this is how we want to sort of plan our, our kids right their sort of their minds right we really messed up right? and now and to uh, I have to say that that was my experience that say because I was I was the eldest so and I you know the parents were young then and and my brother and sister are um, older and wiser <laughs> am I more passionate than they are I don't think so uh, but there there was there was a difference there was a lot of differences especially say in even just in setting right that you know they didn't grow up where I grew up um, they had a more kind of rural sort of experience than I did mm-hmm I'm just having this memory of hanging around with this childhood, not a childhood friend, it would be like a sort of early high school, uh, Tommy Burroughs, this was in New Westminster, and, and we, we, were, we, we hung out, we went to this old abandoned prison. We heard that the prison was open, that you could go there, and that it was cool apparently, so we went down there, and we actually got trapped because the police came and they were training their dogs, their attack dogs. And so we were you know, just like, oh, my God. They, the, the entrance, we couldn't get through. So we, um, we, we hid, but we actually continued to explore. And it was, it was pretty weird. Uh, yeah. I, I remember there was some stuff going on, and they were still there in the prison, even though they shut it down. So I'm just sort of going, you know, my, my brother and sister, they, didn't, they wouldn't have access to that kind of stuff. And... Um, not, not, not that it shapes your mind, but um, yeah, yeah. I guess too. I, I'm ending on that it's mind shaping, and and that ties in nicely to the title of this podcast, which is story and mind. So that yeah, so that the story in one one person's mind, say, who's living the story, right? They're using the story in order to go about their, you know, daily routine, deal with people, survive, right? 
it's a it's a story that has been successful for millions of years, right? And now I'm going to pass it on to you, right? And it's not even it's not even a discussion. It's just right away. It's it's sort of I'm okay. I'm going to install the operating system, right? You know, do 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 da. To, to do the old modem uh, sound, uh, apparently that's that's what is, um, the modem sounds like. So, what is the modem? What the modem was, uh, it, it was like so. You had your computer, and then you would buy a modem, and uh, that you would connect your computer to the modem, and then you would connect a landline, which is the telephone line. Um, what's another for landline? Um, so it's not a cell phone, but it's the old-fashioned phone, right, with a wire. And the modem would make this sound, right? And it, it was a lot of beeps and hisses, you know, like I said, doo-doo-doo-dah. And that, um, um, I don't know if they have fax machines still, but fax machines have that sound uh, going on. So I think what it is is fax machines have, like, say, two modems built in, and that's how they're doing that communicating, sending um, Xeroxes across um, uh, phone lines. Yeah, let's see, what else? Um, that's, a, that's another kind of analogy right there, fax machines, because it's, it's, it's like a, a parent is, uh, or a storyteller, right? He's putting, okay, we're going to put the, we're going to put the, uh, you know, the, the program into the uh, fax machine and then, you know, pops out the other side, uh, Let's see. Anything else? So it's, it's it's interesting to think about, say the 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 purpose of the sto- of story, right? Because uh, why? Because then we can load it, right? Once we know what its purpose is, and then we can sort of sort of shift it and change it. And uh, I don't want to say for the betterment. I just want to say for the the continuance, right? Uh, that because it's it's about survival. That's I, I think that's where my sort of um, synthesis now is my my ending argument. Sort of com- combining, gosh, what was the antithesis? I guess the antithesis would be that say there is no purpose, and that you know then the thesis would be that oh there's some this grand purpose for it. I don't know if I went to, into this into the antithesis so much. Maybe maybe it's sort of say a notion of that you know that the story a long time ago was not important, and so I'm arguing that no, the story is deeply important, right? And hugely loaded subtext out of you know only your subconscious is you know aware of the you know the the deep deep amount of information that's being conveyed back and forth um, for survival. Are we coming up to a, a, a point now where we re- require uh, that information again, right? The that story. I, I've you know ever since I was a kid, I was my stepfather was this survivalist, right? So he's always concerned about you know end of the world scenarios, and we always had books lying around, you know, talking about you know the economy is going to flip or you know. It's going to fall apart. We're going to have, um, we're going to get hit by a meteor. Uh, it's going to be some kind of famine. 
And I think all of those, all of those scenarios, um, you know, it's, it's, the, the story is all about that. The story is about uh, being prepared and um, uh, conveying, conveying that information um, so that, so that people are, are prepared, right? And that they're going to be able to, to tackle um, what, what they're faced with, right? And yeah. And we've been and, and we've been doing this for millions of years, and it, and it, and it has worked. So, fingers crossed. Uh, thank you for listening, and keep up, uh, keep working on your story, uh, because it's it's not just your story; it's our story, and it's it's worth it. Like, and two, don't don't do it for the money. Don't do it for you know, th- you know, getting recognized. Do it because you know it's it's got to be done. It's you know, and yeah, it's the doing of it that's important. So yeah, I say concentrate on that. All right, take care. Take care. Take care.